great to be with you in, in Sterling. I'm really happy to be here and uh, was an enthusiastic about coming. Um, uh, it's not my first time here. I was here uh, a few months back and I uh, had a little celebration. A number of you were talking about that as we gathered. And um, actually, uh, I didn't want to just show up in the middle of revival meetings, so I've been with you every night, uh, every service. Uh, I uh, saw Tony lead worship on Sunday morning and uh, heard Jeff uh, preach a great message and Lauren Sunday night and last night lead worship and uh, just great messages from uh, from Pastor Jeff, really uh, such a great friend uh, to me and to our district and uh, really glad you had an opportunity to, to be with him. Uh, great to be in revival with uh, with Pastor Denny. Um, I, I rave about Denny all over our district. Um, he is a, he is a great pastor. Amen. Yes, he is. He knows I'm not just, I know it's not about him, but he is a great pastor. He's an outstanding preacher. Um, I was so touched when we had a review a little while back, his two-year review, and now he has a four-year call. And, um, but it wasn't just that we did it. It was how the congregation and the board felt about him and Jody and their role here. So uh, praise the Lord. Uh, for that and the good things that are happening there, here. We are excited about that. Um, I bring greetings to you from uh, all across the northwestern Illinois district. We have um, right at 58 uh, congregations that are meeting that uh, believe like you do. Uh, in a lot of ways look similar. They are, there's a move of God across our district. God is moving. Uh, I'm, I'm getting regular reports about baptisms and new members and salvation that is happening. Um, it, it's good. It's happening in little small places, bigger. God is at work in northwestern Illinois. Every time I go somewhere, people want to know, well, how is it out there? Because uh, you don't get to go. I'm the ultimate church hopper. You know, I go to church somewhere different every Sunday. Um, but uh, I just want you to know that good things are not only happening in Sterling, but around our district, and I'm giving God praise for that. Uh, I wanted to also tell you that um, I love revival. I am um, probably a product of camp meetings and revivals. Uh, I spent my childhood... Uh, you know, back then, Denny, you know how it was. We had them all the time. Sometimes we'd have more than one a year, and then you'd have camp meeting in the middle of the summer, and you go stay at the whole camp. My my parents would just give me to the pastor, and I just go and spend a lot of time on a, a campground in South Carolina. Uh, what I noticed about revival meetings, uh, especially as I began to realize what was going on at first. You know, it's kind of like wide-eyed. Like we're on we're Tuesday night. We're church. You know, you if you haven't been around that before, you it might be a little surprising to you. But uh, if you've been around, uh, you but revival, I began to realize um, was was a time that God began to move me. Um, you know, just sometimes it's dramatic. Like I was called to preach at a revival meeting. Uh, when I was 19, and uh, I'll never forget it. I know exactly. I was sitting right over there about where Rhonda is right there. I was sitting right there, uh, altar call, and uh, came to the altar and uh, just just felt the call to preach. I can feel I can see it right now. Um, revival meeting. Uh, so many good things. But over the years, I noticed that I, it wasn't just something dramatic that happened to me. It was just slight shifts that he brings to us. 
And that's what I'd encourage you about tonight. I mean, maybe tonight's a night for somebody to give their life to Christ. I don't, I don't know all of you, but if, if, that, if tonight's your night, man, welcome. We're so glad you're here. But for many of us that have walked with the Lord, that have served in the church these years, it's such a blessing when God will just nudge us. Just nudge us in, in reference to the season that we're in now, the circumstances that we're dealing with, whatever it might be. He's always, you know, he doesn't want us to stay the same. He's moving us. He's challenging us. And I pray that he would do that uh, tonight. Now, in, in just a few minutes, I'm going to read uh, from the scripture in Joshua chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, uh, you want to find that. Um, it'll eventually be on the screen, but we don't need it yet because I got a little bit of uh, time to kind of get us um, to, to what's happening. So Joshua chapter 1 is really a transition moment for a great man of God. Uh, in the scripture. Uh, and so what's happening as we get to Joshua 1 is, you remember the people of God had been promised by God that they had a promised land to go into. Well, but they had been disobedient. And so they hadn't been able to go into the promised land. And now God is ready to, to have them being led to go over, to remember what they learned from the difficulties, and to know that God had this land of milk and honey available to them. So they're not proud of their past, maybe a little frightened about their future, and they are brought to this place at the Jordan River and an opportunity for them to go across uh, the Jordan. And so that's, that's kind of what's happening. I heard this story about a, um, a young couple, had some young children, and um, he was feeling like the family was struggling a little bit financially. And so uh, they had been talking about it, and this one morning came, and he got himself dressed up, and he wore a tie to work, so he got his tie on, and a little breakfast at the table, and he said to his wife, um, today's the day I'm going to ask my boss for a raise today. And she kind of got a little scary look on her face and said, are you sure? And he said, yeah, I think some other people have been getting noticed. And uh, I, I, just need, I just need to talk to the boss. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it today. And so, uh, you know, they uh, gave each other a kiss and said, I'll be praying for you all day. And so off he went. So uh, when he got home, you know, he gets out of the car and he comes walk and he got the raise. And so he comes walking in the house. And the house is all clean, and everything smells great. There's some music playing. The kids are with a, with a family member, and the table is like all set up with a beautiful meal and candles. And, and he comes in and says, wow. And she's got her dress on. She looks so nice. And he walks over toward the table. And he notices this little square blue envelope is sitting right by his plate. He said, what's this? And so he goes over and he opens the note and pulls it out. And it says, good evening, darling. I am so grateful to be your wife. So thankful for our family. Congratulations on the raise. I'm so thankful for you and how God has played. You know, just a, just a beautiful little love note uh, from the wife. And he, see, she, she had been standing at the window 
when he showed up and he got out of the car and she could see the look on his face and she could see the bounce in his step and she knew that he, he had gotten a raise. So they, they had a wonderful dinner. Food was terrific. You know, they get, they're getting done. And so uh, he picks up his plate and they get the dishes and go over into the sink. You know, guys, are we supposed to do that still to, to kind of help out if you have forgotten that? Um, but he's, he's helping out. He's taking the stuff over there. And um, she's got her apron on so she can uh, get the dishes washed. And uh, just like I might do with, with my wife, you know, he, he comes up behind her and just kind of puts his arm around, around her waist and, and so gives her a hug. And then he feels something in her apron. And there's something in this pocket over here. And he reaches in there and pulls it out. And it's a little square blue envelope note. And he said, well, what's this? And so he opens it up and he reads it. And it says, darling, I love you so much. So happy to be your wife. I'm so sorry that it didn't work out. But I love you. And, and, and I'm with you, you know, uh, two notes. Two notes. Um, good wife, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, you know, what, what, was, what was she up to? What was she trying to say? She wanted to tell him, I am behind you no matter what. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I believe in you. I'm standing with you. And she had, uh, she had these two notes. You know, notice, same dinner, same dress, same clean house. Either way, she's going to show her love and support for her husband. You know, sometimes spiritually, don't, don't you need that from, from God? You know, he... He always shows up. He is always present. And, and I notice, like, he gets the table prepared. He, that whether it's good news or difficult news, he's still feeding us. He's still comforting us. He's still helping us. He's saying to us, I got you. I am with you. Not just because you got some material things or a blessing, but he loves you either way, whatever is happening. Don't, don't you need that from God sometimes? Just to know, uh, it, it's kind of like a, well, this scripture, it's sort of like a pep talk. So Joshua is in a new season. You know, he's been hanging around with Moses and Moses was the man, Right? But he's, he's like the assistant. He's like the helper. He, he's just doing what he's told and he's helping out. Well, when you get to Joshua chapter 1, things are uh, completely uh, different for him. And so this is the Lord's uh, pep talk for him. The Lord speaking to him. Listen to some of these words. Uh, if you got it in your Bible there, Joshua 1, begin with the first verse. It says, after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that you sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, 
from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He says, I will not leave you or forsake you. How many times have you said that in your life? Talking to a friend, somebody, I will never leave you or forsake you. Uh, it's one of the places it shows up right here. When you get to verse 6, he says, be strong and courageous, for you, sh you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all of the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a great pep talk from God, right? Encouraging to him, encouraging uh, to us. We, we need that uh, at times from God because God does not leave us in the places that we are. Just like I talked about the, the moments in church and in revival meetings where God is not wanting me to stay exactly where I am. See, he knows that the faith that I have had won't be enough for what I'm going to be facing. The circumstances that I'm going to be in need to continue to grow in him. So recognizing what he wants uh, to do. So we recognize that God wants to speak to us and wants to bring change and transformation. So this is what God is saying to us. He's encouraging Joshua. Now I, want to, I just want to mention a couple things. Three things actually that, that you notice here that he's asking of Joshua if he's going to shift and grow in the faith that God needs him to have. Uh, the first thing that you notice is that he says to let go of your past. Submit your past to me. That's a good word, right? Well, how do you know that's what he's saying here? Because he says, Moses, my servant, he died. Things will not be the same as they were. Circumstances are going to change. Um, see, he's not belittling or putting down the loss that they experienced. He's just showing him the reality of what it's going to take for him to be able to be the man of God that God intends him to be in this new season that he's in. Things are, things are going to be different. So he speaks to Joshua and he's encouraging him to take some next level. Now, he's talking to him about the way it's been in the past. Did you know that everybody in this room has a past? Yeah, you know it well, don't you? You might not know theirs, but you know yours. You know a lot uh, about your past and things that have gone on. And some of it maybe is really good. And there's a good chance that some of it is not so hot. We, we, we all have a past. And we have to decide if that past 
is going to be a barrier for us in faith or if it's going to be a way that's going to push us forward toward our God. He's saying, Joshua, I need you to let go uh, of the past. Now, do you know that uh, not only do every, does everybody in here or watching tonight have a past, but churches have past. You know, nobody went, ooh. Um, churches have past, not like ghosts in the basement or nothing. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about we have stuff, the, the, the way that a church has been, the history around us. But you know what Sterling Church of the Nazarene has been will not be enough for what it needs to be to reach the people that God needs us, needs us to reach. You agree with that? Yeah, we, we have to shift. Not that we say the past was all bad or we forget. I'm not talking about forgetting our great pastors and the way that people have worked, uh, have his work, God has worked through our church. I'm just saying that God has to do something in us individually and as a congregation to help us be ready for whatever's coming forward. He's saying to Joshua, you got to let go uh, of the past. So w what do we do about that? Um, you know, I, I notice, I travel a lot, talk to a lot of people. I, this job has meant that I, I don't just get to hang out with the same group of people all the time. They send me all these places. And I go there, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of big shots. And, you know, and, and, and I'm just Lloyd, man. I'm just, you know, and, and I just decided I was going to be me no matter what. But what I notice as you talk to people all over the place is that people are often saying, what are we going to do about the church? Just what's happening in our culture? What's going on? Don't raise your hand, but some of y'all been talking like that. Like, what is happening in our world? And, you know, we, here, here's what I want to tell you. What you can know is that when things have gotten bad, and even when there's decline in the church, watch out, because God's getting ready to do something. Over and over and over again, you see it. It's traditionally a recognition that what seems like bad news in the world is good news for the church. See, we could change our little language, change our tone, that we're going to have revival. Not just a revival meeting, but the movement of God to reach the people that need to be reached in this city, in this county, in this region, across this district, uh, through, through the Church of the Nazarene, across the United States and the world. God is, God is doing something, and he wants to do it here. But sometimes we can't be held back by the things that grieve us, the things that... Um, you know, there's such a desire the Lord has for us to be together, to be in unity, to come together with him. So we give him uh, our past. We give it to him. We give it away because sometimes our past can hold us down. Our past can be like a chain. Our past can be like bondage. Our past can be like a stronghold against us. See, God has great intention for your life. What he wants to do through you, in your family, in your neighborhood, but sometimes he wants you to shift, to deepen your faith so you can become and accomplish what he wants for you. So we have to let go of our past.
All right, so um, I like I like to do things like um, I call them postures, uh, different kind of postures. I'm always looking for some kind of activity. Uh, you know, I used to do children's church a long, long time ago, and so I'm always looking for activities. So um, here, uh, just just stay where you are, but hold your fists like this. Do it just like that. So what what are you holding in your hands? Let's say that you're holding your past, the stuff that might have a little grip on you. And he's telling Joshua, you need, you need to let go of the past. So on three, we're going to let it go. You got it? You, you, you feel it in your hands? You know what you're holding on to? And so he comes to us and he says, uh, let go of the past. So ready? One, two, three. Let it go. All right, some of you are ready. Some of you aren't quite ready. So that was a rehearsal, so we do it again. Okay, let's, let's get ourselves ready. All right, you okay? Hold on to it. You know how that feels. You know how that feels to be asleep at night and wake up in the middle of the night worried about these things that the devil's bringing up to you, things that hinder us from being the faithful men and women that he longs for us to be. Not that you haven't been faithful, but what he, what he wants to take place. He said it to Joshua. He says it to us. Let go of your past. Ready on three. One, two, three. Let it go. Hey, man, that feels good, doesn't it? Uh, I love that. So first thing he's saying to him in this pep talk is uh, let go of the past. Now, the second thing that he talks to Joshua about is we'll call this embrace your future. Embrace your future. Now, he, he repeats it multiple times here throughout the, the scripture. He is uh, encouraging him, reminding him uh, that God has promised uh, to be with him. So when you get uh, to verse 7, he's saying, like, he's saying things like, I want to prosper you, help you be successful. Notice that part where he says, don't turn to the right or to the left. He's encouraging him to, to be focused. Now, um, I'm always looking up words. If you knew me well, you know I'm like a sort of a one verse kind of scripture person, which means when I read a verse like this, I'm always wondering what what is that supposed to mean? Like what what's up? What's going on there? And so you know, I used to go to Hebrew class at seven thirty in the morning, and so the the one problem with that is that you get it now. Um, so uh, I'm going to tell you about this turning to the right and the left. What's what's going on there? I mean, it just makes it feel like you know you know it's got something to do with focus. That you don't want us looking over here or looking over here, but actually it's an agricultural perspective there. And so what he's saying is remind it's it's like. Uh, Plowing straight rows. Now, I was with a farmer a few weeks ago, and he's got a big old farm, and he wanted to take me out on this this machine that he had, and we didn't have time, but he's wanting me to go out there. So he's telling me about laser planting. I said, what is that? He said, well, you got to have straight rows, and that laser keeps you exactly straight on the road because he said you can't plant all over the field. I mean, whatever you plant, wherever you plant it, that's where it's coming up. And if you're going to harvest, you got to... So I was thinking about that and I remembered that my grandfather did not have a laser machine to make straight rows. You know what he had? A mule, right? Some of y'all are nodding. You know what I'm talking about. And so he had this little barn and there's a mule there and hanging on this nail were these black things 
that were called blinders. You with me? Blinders. So what, what's he up to? He knew that the only way to make straight rows in, in his field was to put blinders on that mule. Because he'd be looking over there, or he'd be looking over there, and he'd get distracted, wouldn't be focused, and all of a sudden the line's just going all over the place. So he put blinders on. God says to Joshua, tell the people, don't be looking to the right. Don't be looking to the left. Don't be worried about what's going on in the culture. Don't be worried about what's happening with those people and those people and those people. Don't be worried about that. You just stay focused on what I called you to do. Be strong and courageous. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Follow me. Follow my will. Uh, that is an expression of embracing the future that he has for us. You know, we're, we're not wanderers as believers, are we? We're not wandering around. We're, we're focused on a mission that he has given to us. I heard your pastor praying for lost people around us, in your family, in this community, in this service tonight. Because not the right, not the left. You know, you know the, the church is so notorious. You, I, I'm, I'll just tell you about another. It's not this church, but it was some other. It was that other church down the road, you know. But they... Um, I noticed that when the Lord starts moving, then somebody gets upset about something. You notice that? Yeah, and it, it, it's not about the mission, but it's about, I won't even say it. You know, I, you just fill in the blank. You know. And they get upset. And then, you know, the, the people in the church, they, they don't want them to be upset. But we don't want them to leave the church either. You know, so we try to love them and try to help, you know, and so we, we do all, you know how we do. But I'm telling you, it affects the unity of the church. It affects the unity of the church. It's, it's, a, it's a distraction to the left or to the right. And most of the time, the person that's even involved in it doesn't even realize that the devil's using them to get us thinking about somebody's feelings are hurt. Or some problem that happened, rather than, you know, the Bible says, go to your brother and take care of it. Figure it out. But, you know, I've seen them where they, they're talking down there in the corner or downstairs. And, you know, here we go, you know. Embracing the future means recognizing that God has a plan for me, for you, for this church. And I'm going to embrace that future. Embrace that mission. I'm going to stay focused on what God has in mind uh, for us as a congregation and for you uh, personally as an individual. So we uh, recognize. So he says, let go of the past, submit that to him, and then embrace uh, this future uh, that he has for us. He wants us to be Kingdom focused, kingdom mindset on what God is wanting to accomplish. So um, we got a second posture here. So uh, sometimes I have people stand up, but you don't have to stand up. So just think about, uh, would you agree that Jesus is in this room through his Holy Spirit? Well, I've been wondering where he was seated. I can, and then I realized he's standing right in front of you, right in front of you. And so there he is. And he wants you to 
let go of those things and embrace the future that he has. So put your arms out like that. Now, I'm a hugger, so I know what good hugs are all about. um, But we're going to, we're not just embracing a mission statement. We're not just embracing some agenda that we have personally. We are embracing Jesus. He is our future. He is our direction. We let go of the past and we embrace Jesus as our future. So, uh, ready. We're going three. Give him, just give Jesus the biggest hug you could right now. Ready? One, two, three. Just embrace him. Oh, man. He likes that. He likes that. That's what he's telling Joshua. Get, get your vision right. Get your perspective. Um, I, got, I got work for you to do. Um, you notice when he, when he says to, uh, when he first speaks to Joshua there, he says, Moses is gone. Um, then he says, now then, you know, now then is like a parent word, you know, you ever, you ever talk to your child and say, you know, whatever's been going on. Okay. Well, now then we got to, you know, and, and we're going to straight, we're going to figure things out. What are we? And that's what he says. Now then, now that you're aware uh, he said, we're going, we're going into the promised land. We're going to take a shift and be able to walk in the, this perspective that I have for you. So let go of the past, embrace the future. Now, one of the things I noticed about God, at least in this passage for sure, is that he doesn't deal with the past and the present and then the future. He deals with the past and then the future and then the present. Because I need help in the present, don't you? Like, I need to know what to do now. Like, uh, and so I, I get that about the past. I know that I got to get rid of that. My, parent, my chains, um, I, I'm going to embrace this future that he has. But what are we going to do uh, in the now? Hear what he says? He gets to, to verse 7, 8 in there. He says, meditate on the law of God, the word of God, day and night. You know, I think some people think that means um, you don't ever do any work. You know, you don't get your house clean because you got the word. You know, just quoting the word all day long. You can't go to your job. Or where, you know, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that you would be saturated with the presence of God. Uh, I noticed in this, in this whole section here that the one of the big themes is uh, the presence of God, that he's wanting Joshua to soak in the presence of God. So if you study this scripture, when you go home, take a look at it, and notice early on, he says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So that's the, that's the top bread of the sandwich, right? You got that? As I was with Moses, so... I will be with you. That's verse five. And then when you get to verse nine, he says, the Lord is with you wherever you go. That's the bread of the sandwich. Just as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I'll be with you wherever you go. Now look at the meat of the sandwich. Verse six, be strong and courageous. Verse seven, only be strong and very courageous. Verse, first part of verse 9, have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous. 
See, when you're struggling, and everybody does, when you're struggling and you don't exactly know what to do, what he's telling Joshua is, I want you to remember that the number one thing you have going for you is the presence of God. The presence of God. I heard Jeff say it, I think it was last night. You know that the Holy Spirit is in you. He is the presence of God inside of you, around you. He's telling Joshua here, just as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. So when you have trouble, when you have difficulty, what I want you to remember is that you are with me. I am present with you. So we, we submit our past to God, and we embrace the future, and then we meditate on this fact that he is with us, and he is guiding us. Now, meditate is kind of an interesting word, isn't it? Um, I think Eastern religion has tried to steal the word meditate from Christians. You understand what I'm saying? You know, you, you've seen them, you've seen people when they sat in a circle and they cross their legs like most of us cannot do. And they're sitting in this circle and they're, you know, humming or singing Kumbaya or whatever it might be, whatever. Um, and, you know, they're, they're thinking that that is meditation. Well, that's, meditation is our word. Now, what is, what is he talking about here? He's not just talking about sitting around all day. Now, meditate kind of kind of has a couple different flavors to it. Uh, first of all, it is thinking. It is considering things. Um, the, the, the actual foundation of the word is like a cow chewing their cud. You know, you ever seen the cows in the field? They just chew all day long. So that, that's kind of the idea. You're chewing on it. So you, you recognize there's things from your past. There's going to be a shift here as we embrace his, the future that he has for us. And so we're chewing on it. That's what, that's what we've been doing all week here, right? Just chewing on it. What is God saying to us? We're thinking about this thing. But what we miss about meditation is it's not just thinking about something so that, you know, it's fine to think about things and to pray through things, but meditation means that I'm thinking about it with the intent of taking action. That's good. Meditating with the intent of doing something about what he's speaking to me about. You know, haven't we had enough people that just thought about it and prayed about it and never did anything about it? He doesn't want that. He says, meditate on it. Know in the present that you're considering what God wants you to do, and it's an, it's an action idea. He's wanting us to take action. Now, sometimes, here's how it sometimes goes in the church. Um, the, these two guys are riding a tandem bicycle. Uh, so you got one on the front one on the back, and they're noticing that there's a pretty good hill coming that they don't have to go up. So the guy on the front, oh, he says, here we go. And he takes a deep breath, and he is pedaling for all he's worth. I mean, he is working hard. He's trying to get him up that hill. He is sweating, and he's pumping his legs, and he's working so hard to, to, to get them up the hill. They get to the top, and he goes, whoo! That was, that was scary. He turned around and looked at the guy on the back, and, and he said, he's not sweating a bit. He said, yeah, that was really scary. He said, I was holding the brake so tight because I didn't know what was going to happen. 
And I like the church sometimes. Somebody's out there just running and going and we're going to do, we can take this hill. And somebody behind you is going, whoa. And they got the brakes on. Meditating on the word so that we take action and follow the mission that we have. Yeah. One other illustration that kind of fits that. It's like, um, it's like going to the pool. You, you know, there's, there's different kind of people that show up at the pool. So you got these people that I noticed they, they come to the pool and they got on a hundred dollar bathing suit that they have no intention of getting wet. Um, they, they look great. They got the bag, they got the towel with the picture on it. And here they come, you know, and they're walking over and they get one of them chairs you know, I, I buy the books. They got they got their chair and they put that towel out on it. And then you ever notice it? They, they got to get it lined up like just right. You know, they they want the sun to kind of come down just right. You know what we call them? Tanners, tanners. They're they're out they're out by the pool. There's another group of people that show up at the pool. Now they they don't care as much about the swimsuit and all that, but they do care about their hair. And so they put their stuff down, got it all set up, and they go walking around past the tanners, and they get in the shallow end. They kind of tiptoe in, and, get, and then they, they get out in a little ways there, and they're watching the children. But their, their favorite line is, don't you splash me or I'm getting out. Right? So we, we call them waiters. Waiters, they're, they're about this far up, but, uh, you know, we've got to watch the hair, and uh, we're going to enjoy it. We want to be in the water, but it's my way. My, yeah, I'm going to do it my way, or I'm, I'm getting out. Then, you got, I'm just going to call them the cannonballers. So here they come. They, they just got on cut-off jeans. You know, they don't even care. And they come in, they don't, they're not worried about that chair. They just toss their stuff down and they walk right past the tanners and the waiters and they go to the deep end down there and they say, look out, I'm coming in. And their intent is to get wet from head to toe, right from the beginning. I think, I think that's how God is, is asking us to make some shifts. You know, I, I'm sure every church has tanners and waiters, splash, splash, and some cannonball people. Um, and it's all right. But the more cannonball people we have, the more we're going to get done for the kingdom of God. I'm not worried about all these other little things on the outside. I just want to get so soaked in the things of God you know, Joshua really got it, he didn't he? I mean, he shifted. I mean, we see him, oh, I don't know, Joshua 7, we see him at Jericho. You remember Jericho? He didn't seem like the aide or assistant then, did he? God had moved his faith. So at the very end of the book of Joshua, he says, Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. See, he wasn't saying that in Joshua 1. He's trying to figure out what is God up to. Let go of my past. Embrace the future. And start walking in the present. Meditating and taking action as God leads me. Leads us. Leads his people. So we're going to. I'm going to pray here. I love you have an altar here. There. Um, I love the altar. Uh, grew up around the altar. Um, you know, revival is such a great time to take some action. You know, I'm not asking you to change the world. I'm not asking you to give up everything or whatever. I'm just asking you if he would ask you to slightly shift to deepen your faith. Maybe he's even been talking to you about something. Something he wants you to do. Somebody he needs you to meet at the well. Something that God... See, I, you, you don't have to listen to me. We already prayed that regardless of what I had to say, that you'd hear the Spirit of God. Because he knows where you live. He knows everything about you. So let go of that past. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe the devil's just been beating you up again about the same stuff. Let that go. Embrace what it is God wants to do in you. You know, he loves you. He's given you a pep talk. And he has a love note for you, regardless of whether the good or the difficult. So we make a shift to let him guide us to become who he wants us to be. He did it for Joshua. He's done it for me. He's done it in the life of your pastor, so many others in this room. Would you just make a slight move toward him? Because if you move toward him, he will not let you down. This song says, uh, let's stand together.